Joining me, it's Jeffrey, Alec, and Christine Sipiu, who's here to talk about the uh, candidate for the uh, for the election. So, Jeffrey and Christine, welcome to the to the studio. Uh, thank good you for morning. having us, um, Mikhail, and good morning, listeners. Good morning, listeners. Okay, our first question: uh, Tell us about yourselves and why you decide to run in this year's election. Right. Um, thanks, Mikhail. Um, the reason we are running um, in this election is primarily because St. Helena has not achieved the, uh, what they set out, what they agreed from the beginning in the MOU. Yeah? And I believe that, well, we believe that if we stand and we are in the majority, we can actually make a difference. And that's why we stand. Our background, uh, just for my background, and um, Christine probably can tell you her background. Yeah. But um, about 20 months ago, so 20 months ago, um, I got into council via the by-election. Um, and I've been there working, I, and I think it's been very frustrating for me. And I think there's so much more that we can achieve. Prior to that, um, politically, um, we've been part of Unified Saints, yeah. I think it's from 2018 we did various things um, to have meetings with publics and arrange various things to try and push and influence, or basically put pressure on the government. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'll let Christine explain a little bit about herself. So, okay, thank you, Mikhail. Um, yes, so people uh, will know me as a former councillor for the last nine years. Um, so I joined council in the by-election in 2012 with uh, two, two young children and um, I found it, uh, I was struggling just returning back from the Falkland Islands after 15 years and, um, and I thought I could make a difference and nine years later I feel that I have um, had very little reward and I say little, very little reward for the island as a, as a whole. And um, I probably need to owe um, the electorate an explanation because I had said uh, a few weeks ago that I was not running again. And the reason I said I wasn't running again because of nine years of frustration. Nine years of um, scrutinizing documentation, um, trying to be the voice of the people and not being heard. And then with persuasion from members of the um, electorate, uh, with my arm twisted right up my back, that um, they persuaded me to, um, to run again. But um, I do not wish to continue with another four years of frustration. So um, like Jeff said, um, we need to hold government to account. And when we say government now, we are actually talking about ourselves because um, previously I was I was government. So I don't want people to um, get confused. She's saying whole government to account, but she's talking about herself. But like Jeff said, that um, we were in the minority. And out of the nine years being on, on council, a majority of this years I was a member of executive council. 
And as uh, the listeners will probably recall that I stepped down from being a member of Executive Council because while I was on Exco, I again was in the minority. And I felt that um, I was guided. I would be able to say what I wanted to say. So in the last two years, um, I've been very vocal, um, especially in formal legislative uh, meetings because I was just a backbencher. I wasn't guided. Um, I could speak freely. And um, like Jeff, I am a member of uh, Unified Saints, and people should recognise Unified Saints of what we've been trying to do. So we were like a pressure group and uh, trying to get the people's opinions heard. And we also, on behalf of the people, held public meetings. We did um, demonstrations. We invited executive council members to meet with the public, and that was refused. So that was just to give you a background as to where we are um, up to now. And I feel that going forward, if we have a stronger leadership um, people who um, have got like who are like-minded, who are able to work together, be able to flip the coin and put the people first. Yeah. Okay. Next question: uh, What's more important for Saint Helena right now? Building new homes, investment, health, social care, education. Uh, which one of those are more important for Saint Helena right now? I think that there are some gaps um, for what you were just proposing. Um, I think the bigger, the bigger picture for St. Helena or for, for government is a vision. Yeah. So um, from, my, from our perspective, a vision for us is like we, we really need strong leadership. Yeah? Um, and we need cohesion. We, we all need to be working together. Um, we need, need to enable investment where citizens are treated fairly and given equal opportunities um, and protection of our aging demographic. As you know, you know the population of St. Helena are getting older. Yeah. And I think if you look at um, statistics report, Neil Phantom's statistics report on the census, you will see that. And, and we also had a presentation on it as well where you see that there's less younger people on there, and there's more older people. So who's holding the people up? Who's supporting the elderly in society? And the other thing is enabling economic growth. That, that's very important uh, in, in our view. The budget, we, we really need to look at the budget and be more effective and efficient in the financial management of our budget. So... Those are the things we learn. We need to have a vision. But in order to have a vision, if we are successful in getting in, we all need to work together. We need to have good relationships yeah, and have a collective vision of going forward. Yeah. So, so, um, so I think what Jeff is trying to say, without this vision, initial vision, uh, which provides the foundation. You won't get the health. You won't get the education. You won't get the housing. So that's why I said I think there's a gap yeah. in the question that you ask because you ask what the priorities is housing, education, health. But without a vision, a, sh a strong leadership, a cohesion, and, and, and taking government forward, you're not going to have 
a good health, good housing, mm. good education, yeah. good social care. And, uh, you know, we, we need to protect the vulnerable in the society. And, and how, do you, how do you do that? Uh, Jeff mentioned about um, budget. So um, in, our, in our discussions, um, and of course, like Jeff mentioned before, we have always been in the minority. So we have always been saying that we're trying to do too much with a very small budget. And so when you try to spread the money across so many different sectors, it appears as if you're just putting a band aid over something for it to tick on. But if you focus more on doing one particular area and bring it up to the standard, then you can move on to another area at another time. But what is the constraint here is that we only get a one-year budget. And I know um, in, my in the, the nine years that I've been a councillor that we have fought very hard to get a three-year budget. Um, but it's never been um, welcome. And, of course, we can't blame um, British government because they are in a difficult position as well. But without a, a three-year budget, we can't really plan properly. So we're always putting on that band-aid. But I think we re really need to rethink about how mm. we're going to move forward with our budget. Yeah, and I, th I think I've mentioned this many times before in formal LegCo and in the meetings um, was on council. We really need to decide what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. Yeah, we, we have to make tough decisions if we want good outcomes. And I think just to hit on it, like, we got to have a good partnership with FCDO. We have to have a good partnership with each other as councillors, but also officials and the public sector. And that's very important to have good partnership with them. Likewise, the private sector, the um, civil society, yeah, and the public. Because I think there's a gap at the moment with the public, and we've noticed that um, from our role as Unified Saints, as well as being on council as well. Decisions are being made and we're not engaging with the public. But when we go out as Unified Saints, it's a lot of people, a lot of issues uh, they're coming up with. But it's important that the government be as one and go out there and talk with the people. So when we make decisions, we've got the people on board. And that, for me, was lacking. Um, the economy, um, I, I think... In terms of the economy, we need to have an enabling environment for our economy. So just to touch on certain things like this, uh, strategies and policies, you know, we, we've had the, um, various ref the MOU reforms, the land, the immigration, and the investment policies. All of that should have been up and running about five years ago, yeah? but it, it hasn't. So I know that people are working on it, but it should have been done from the beginning. And I believe that's down to you know, not having strong leadership. Because if we had strong leadership, we would ensure that those things were in place. And as a result of those things taking so long, it has left our people behind. And when I say left our people behind, I mean the private sector, the public out there. So in terms of your lands and so forth, if you go to the lands 
place and you want a piece of land. Normal Joe blokes out there, suddenly want a piece of land. You go there and they'll tell you you need to go identify the piece of land. Now, in terms of customer service, that's not very good. We should be able to turn around and say to someone, this is where your land is allocated, here's a, and there's a number of plots there. You choose which plot you want. This is what it will cost you. Here's a pack here, the processes and procedures you need to do, and bang, you're going to have your land, right? And then people talk about affordable housing. If we had proper systems in place like that, then people would become, they know where their land is, then you probably have maybe 200 houses being developed in a year or so, yeah? And if you've got that, then you will find that the private sector will then start to take ownership because what they will do is then bulk buy. So if they bulk buy from South Africa or wherever, um, the prices will be lower. Now, if you're buying for single houses and so forth, the price is going to be high. Yeah. Um, by doing that, you bring the prices down. But if you put more more uh, materials on the MV Alina, you help to reduce the freight costs. So what will happen then is that you can then have affordable housing without actually fully dependent on um, SHG. SHG just need to create an enabling environment, yeah? and they haven't done that so far. Hopefully, if with, with a new council, those are the issues that can be pushed forward to ensure that we have those policies that enables um, economic development. Um, the, the immigration side, again, we need to open our all and up to people because we have a small population. It's an a aging population, yeah? But we need people here to be able to support that. So if we bring the numbers up, then we can support the people the older, pe older people in society. Um, when more people come here, that means they're going to spend money, they're going to have to have places to live in India. You start to create an economy. Now, the type of people what we want to come here, obviously the immigration policy will sort that out for us. But we cannot have people here who are going to be burdened on our society. So we need to attract the right people here. And ideally, we want to attract our own saints back here. Yeah? But we need things, we need the environment here where we can have people working and supporting the elderly. Once we have more of an economy, then that will help to sort out our issues with um, health and so forth. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if Christine wanted to come on. So there's first. a few pointers that I, I wanted to, um, to mention before Jeff went on to other um, topics. So um, the land building disposable policy um, it does allow buyers, like Jeff said, um, to self-identified land. Um, and, but it also says that land um, has to be advertised. But um, whilst making my mind up um, in becoming, uh, running for the SABA nomination for general election, what came to light uh, to me by talking and engaging to, to the people is that Sometimes that the land is advertised and sometimes it's not. And so uh, people are then questioning why we have a policy that allows the buyers to self-identify, but then the property has to be advertised, this piece of land has to be advertised. 
but not also, not all the time. So there seem to be inconsistencies. So, um, so that's when Jeff mentioned about policies earlier on, is that government, it appears that government has some policies and has some strategies, but they're not fully implemented. And you talked about housing. I do recall that there was a housing strategy approved by Executive Council uh, prior to me becoming a, a councillor in November 2012, and the strategy was for 10 year, 2012 to 2022. And uh, from my recollection, that housing strategy was to um, enable access to low-income housing to rent and to buy. So have we, have we knowing that 2022, uh, Mikhail, is just around the corner, have we fully achieved that strand of that particular strategy, knowing that we don't have many months left and we're supposed to be stimulating a modern, vibrant, dynamic, and regulated private sector. I know that Jeff mentioned about private sector at the moment. Is there a lot of houses that are being um, built in, in the private sector that is a, a, available to, to rent? And has government's housing strategy enabled the private sector to do that? And also, if I can remember, it also talked about... Um, we mentioned about older and the vulnerable people. Um, have, have, has, the, has government assisted the older and, and the vulnerable people to live independently in their homes? Um, have we fulfilled that strand of, of, of the strategy? So when uh, Jeff mentioned earlier that there are different policies and different strategies, has essentially the government developed, um, delivered on, on, those, on those strategies? And in, in, my, in my opinion is that success in any, any development, whether it is um, to do with economic, social, political, environmental, this can only um, be achieved if government works in partnership and, and trust with the people. And personally, I don't think there's trust um, in, in our government at the moment. I don't think that the people trust our government. And I think if both Jeff and I do get on, it's going to be a huge challenge in trying to get the trust back um, in, in our government. And then the next question would be, once you've got the trust in the government, how do you then deal with the policies, the strategies, the decisions has already been made? I mean, of course, policies can be uh, reviewed annually, but then you've got that other challenge to deal with because... Has our government, and when I say government, I'm talking about executive council, have they made the right decision? Because to me, the decisions, whenever you make a decision, it should be in the interest of the people, and the people should be the center of all development, of all decisions. We don't need complicated systems or more laws and more procedures, mm -hmm. so we just need something that is really simple that our people can regain that trust in that government and we work together in, in partnership with the people of St. Mm -hmm. Helena to take our island forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, our next question, how do you plan to involve residents in the decision-making process? 
Well, from our perspective, you know, what, what we want to do is have better communications, but we also want to meet and engage with the public. Yeah. You know? So, like, I know previously decisions were being made, and I was one of them who, who were asking, say, why ha haven't we got the public on board with that? Well, the public rep um, the response was the public elected us, so we need to make decisions on behalf of the public. Yeah, but things are changing. They need the information. We need to have the feedback. We don't have to actually agree with everything that the public's saying because we've got to look at other factors. <clears throat> but we've got to hear what they're saying and understand what they're saying because some things might be relevant and you might need to make adjustments to certain things before you make a decision. So, you know, from, from my perspective, I would like to be out there speaking with the public, you know, ha ha having public meetings on, you know, topical issues. We seem to be, like, walking away from topical issues. We don't want to meet with the public when it's topical issues, when really we should be out there, you know. And, s and sometimes you're going to get the flag and, you know, you're going to get a hit, hit on the chin, but you've got to take that, yeah, because how people feel, you've got to hear it. You're the affirm. So listen to what they got to say. Even if, even if it's a bit harsh, you still have to take it, you know, and you reflect on it and see how best you can work things around for people. And also to explain to, to the public how, how you arrive at mm -hmm. that decision is really, really important. And if you, if you make the wrong decision, then go back out and hands up. Sorry, we made the wrong decision. But I, I did mention earlier about... Um, when we were part of Unified Saints, when we had asked our government, our ex members, to hold a public meeting, because that's what the public had asked for, a public meeting to understand the decisions about um, COVID-19, but uh, this was refused. So um, to me that if we are elected, um, because we have held public meetings uh, previously as, as politicians and as Unified Saints, we wouldn't hesitate to, um, to hold public meetings to, in, to engage with, pub, with the public. And I do recall, uh, Mikhail, you asked how, how we're going to engage with the residents. I can remember a particular um, topic where I called in a different sectors to have a, a meeting to, for me to understand that particular industry because I had very little knowledge. So, and it was very, very beneficial when that meeting uh, was held because the different sectors from that industry could engage with each other and put their views across. But I was then questioned, why did I call that meeting with those sectors in that particular industry? And I was accused of undermining officials. But in my own right, as a politician, I had the right to call a meeting with the public to understand and educate myself um, about that particular sector. So I hope that sort of um, carry-ons doesn't happen with um, the new the new council, that the new council will be able to freely go out and engage with the people. Because like I said before, um, and I don't want to be repeating myself, that any success um, in, in any development on the island it is about the trust and taking the people along and explaining to them why a decision was made and always have to be in the best interest of the people. And p the public will need to um, appreciate that when you make a decision today, it may, they may not see the benefit tomorrow or next week. 
it may not happen until a year's time or probably five years' time. But if you explain to them, you make a decision here today and this is how we're going to get to the end in, in five years or two years' time, I'm certain that the public would appreciate that because you are then making them aware why you make the decision. So I think better engagement mm. uh, with uh, the community. And I think whilst you're on the subject uh, of um, engagement with the community, I was going to bring it up later on because I th think you might ask about COVID. So like classic example with COVID is we've got a government making decisions on COVID and opening up and so forth, but they haven't engaged with the people. So what they have done is engaged with the selected few. And from what I know, they've only engaged with people within the tourism sector. But we have more people on St. Helena, within the private sector, civil society, and the general public. So if you want to make informed decisions, you then need to engage with all. So when we engage with all, yeah, you can make informed decisions. And for me, that isn't happening. But if we were to get in, and we are in the majority, yeah, then these things can happen because I will not be signing anything off or agreeing to anything unless we've got our people on board because wherever we're going, we need to take our people with us. So I wasn't too happy about some of the decisions that were made in COVID, but yes, we were on to about communication and so forth. You know, engagement with our public is very important. We can't just have it one-sided. You know, the decisions might turn out to favor probably people in tourism but the main thing is that we spoke to all our people and we engaged with our people whatever issues they had we have to look at ways which we can mitigate things or so forth yeah but it's all about engaging with our people and especially when um it is of national importance because i can remember when um behind closed doors when when both Jeff and I raised about we need to go in and talk to the people. And um, the comments that we had back was that, oh, so do you expect councils to go and, and engage with um, the public on every single topic? And we said, no, we weren't expecting that. But, but for COVID-19, which is a key hot topic that is in the best, you know, that affects everybody on the island, in our opinion, it was only proper that you go and engage with the public and get their views on the topic. So you talked about communication with the residents, with, with the island, the people. But I think what is also key is communication among the councillors themselves. Because I know when I was going around and talking to, to people individually, um, the words um, fighting in-house, um, division in council came up quite often. And I thought maybe um, because Jeff mentioned earlier that We've been in the minority, so we've been in the minority where we're saying I um, and, and, and not supporting things, and there's a lot of people saying yes. Um, our votes is always very low mm -hmm. because we're not supporting what's going forward. So that's what we mean by being in the minority and not being in the majority. So I thought that um, we probably would take the opportunity to to just give an explanation to the electorate about. Um, this in-house fighting that has been referred to and the vision. And for me personally, I feel is that um, my job as a politician is to hold a government, which is executive council, to account. And to be able to do that, I must feel that I can scrutinize 
and question an issue. And it's about the issue. I'm questioning about the issue. I scrutinize the issue, not the individual as a person. But when you scrutinize something, it was taken personally, and then they become very defensive. And that is not the way how I feel that our government should be um, working. So, so then I realized that the public uh, saw this as a division mm -hmm. in, in government. And we, we didn't want that to, to be a division. But we want to make sure that we scrutinize the documentation or the decisions to make it more robust so that when a final decision is made, because I, I can remember the standing, the standing procedures for home quarantine, and um, we had asked a lot of questions about that. And then the outcome was a more robust standing procedure. So I feel that there is a positive outcome, although individuals, members, took it mm. personally. And, and also... When we had um, asked by the members of the public to hold a public meeting at Half Tree Hollow Community Centre, which was held in November 2020, we did that because the people had asked us. And as a result of that, we did things um, what the public had asked us to do. Uh, one of the things that sprang to mind was a vote of no confidence in the Executive Council and, and a demonstration um, and the result from, from that is that an allegation was made against Jeffrey and I, and we were, were investigated because we held a meeting up at the community centre. So those sort of things does cause a division when, you know, the people who you got to work with, they make an allegation, and then you're being investigated. But in my opinion... I was representing the people. We called the meeting because the people had asked us to do it. Yeah. And so, so going forward, we really need strong leadership. Yeah. We need people who are going to take the issues forward. You know, when people are questioned, scrutinised, and you got to take that all on board. You need thick skin in this area. Um, but we always got to look at the outcome. By doing that. We can get a better outcome. If we can sort it all out in-house first, then we've got a better product going out to the public. Yeah? You know, better decisions will come out of there. You know? It shouldn't be taken personally because it's all about accountability, and everybody has to be accountable, especially with this new system. You need to be accountable. Yeah? And I, when I say accountable, I mean everybody, not just ministers, not just um, legislative members. The public service need to be accountable as well, yeah? because the public are the people at the end of the day who are paying for this here, the taxpayer, and we need to be accountable to them because we are representing them. Okay, so uh, our next question, if elected, what three steps will uh, would you take to uh, put St. Helena on a firmer financial footing. I think mm. we already touched on that yeah. earlier, haven't mm -hmm. we? Yeah, so, so like we said before, earlier on, it's about our budget and looking at how effective and efficient our budget can be, and I think Christine touched on it before, looking at what areas we can do this year, what areas we can do out there. So it's basically looking at your budget and how can you make best use of your budget. 
yeah. yeah, in the short term and the long term. Yeah. And also, uh, while engaging with the public, um, w one other most important theme that came through is that government is always wasting money. So just to provide um, clarity on, on that, um, uh, an example that was given to me by, by the public was that we have a Fit for the Future program. So what the people can see is that petitions in a building was taken down. They were then re-erected and they've been taken down again, or vice versa. So is that best use of government money? Because at the end of the day, it's materials. It's time. You know, those, those guys at the PWD yard could be doing other things than putting up partitions and taking them down and putting them back up again and putting new carpets in. And IT personnel, who then has to do the reconfiguring of the Internet to be able to go to this particular buildings. So from the public perspective, um, is, is government wasting money? Is government getting value for money? So for instance, when um, we have a contract in place, and I'll just use the name because everybody knows this, MSO contract, are we getting value for money? For our procurement, um, a lot of people have talked about the fire trucks, the ambulance, so is there the process, again, is it value for money? So the people I've spoken to is that government needs to be more smarter with their spending of their money instead of, as what the terminology people are used to me, wasting money. Oh. And another, another topic that came up, with me is that yeah you talk about the cable the cable going to be faster the cable going to provide cheaper internet service on the island so you talk about telecommunication um, access for training online but what has been um, considerably asked of me is that how can we ensure that um, the cable will bring the the best benefit to the people of the island. So I always refer to my old lady down the hill. So sorry, I, I can't do an interview without mentioning my old lady down the hill. So how will that old lady down the hill benefit from the cable? How does it get to a house? We talk about the telecommunication. We talked about um, education access. But will that old lady down the hill, yes, and she does have internet, benefit be able to afford the cost of having that internet speed at a house so what was put forward for the cable was it's going to benefit the people so how is it going to benefit that old people down the hill i know i go into very small detail but for me it's the people of the island which is important to me so how does that individual benefit mm -hmm. yeah and i think like in the in the short term you know um once we get cable, I think it will benefit the public sector. But in terms of the private sector, I, I'm not sure, you know, if it's going to be affordable for them. Um, and if you look at the service provider, you know, they'll have to look at their customer base. So if they get a small customer base, you know, <laughs> it's going to be expensive um, because you wouldn't run a business any other way, I suppose. Um, 
when you've got the customer base and, and you know you, you're getting the money in it's better but when you've got a small customer base it's going to be difficult so that's why it's important about the immigration policy mm-hmm. yeah um the land policies and so forth because if you have um the satellite grounds the ground stations coming here we got to have our lands and planning all sorted out yeah so when these people come they'll be able to set up for us but I, I foresee that we will not realize the cable until maybe 10 years' time because we need the customer base, but we, we also need the, the land reforms and so forth, yeah? So the quicker you get satellite, ground satellite stations in, you know, the money then starts coming back. But it will be easier then to, for the service provider to give better rates and so forth. Um, the other thing I was going to um, speak about was, I, I know you said about the budget, and I, I've been on the health um, committee. I sat on the health committee and the um, adults and social care, um, well, the social um, committee. And one issue that we have is our health. The bill for our health is going to increase every year because of the aging demographic as well as the um, underlying health conditions in St. Helena. So another way to be able to help that is looking at the national health insurance. And the way I see it is is a case of those who can afford to pay, pay, but at the same time, they're looking at after those who can't afford to pay. So it's pretty much a case of the rich paying for the poor, like you would do in any other um, modern society. You know? and, and we need to have initiatives like that if we want to have good health services going forward. Because like I said, the bill is going to increase and if we don't have um, sufficient investment, we've got to find it some other way. So it's got to be a bit of a balance. We'll probably start off slow with investment. So we've got to look after ourselves in terms of um, finding the money from other places. And we find the money from is from the people who can't afford to pay. And when you talk about investment, uh, we must not forget our local investors yeah. because we believe that there's been quite a few... Um, barriers um, for um, our, our, our people at the moment who want to invest. And going back to uh, how we first start off this interview, we talk about uh, vision, um, and the vision is for in- enabling um, investment um, for our citizens who, who mm. need to be treated fairly and given um, equal opportunity. So we must make sure that our local investors are given a priority to that. Yeah, there's loads of um, people within the private sector who, who've had difficulties, um, and I speak for for myself, um, being being been working in the private sector. I speak for myself. I speak for those constituents who have dealt with, you know, the time it takes for them to get a plot of land and pull a house. Now, we should really be welcoming our own saints when when it comes to land and so forth, because then. It reduces our social housing. And if you look at statistics, I think it's about like 70% of houses owned by St. Helenians. And that's a good statistic to have, and we want to keep it that way. We should be encouraging saints to um, build their own houses and making it easy for them to um, build their own houses. So, and, and that's all part of the investment as well, you know, because the public makes investment. Private sectors make an investment. And, and that's all good and positive, and we've got to make it easy for them. Uh, some time ago, 
you know, suddenly the government said, well, I, I was in the event, but, you know, we need to cut the red tape. However, there's still too much red tape. We've got to make it easier, more customer-friendly, so that we all can win. Okay, so uh, our, our next question, uh, you, slightly, uh, you slightly touched on this before, but uh, how will you support the private sector? I think we've already mentioned yeah, uh, that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So by in enabling an, an environment. investment, yeah, yeah. the environment mm -hmm. for the private sector, yeah, and, and that's where they can start to bowl. Yeah. Um, if you, like I said, with that housing and so forth, if you've got more activity happening, then there's spin-offs for everyone. You know, the hospitality services, um, car rentals and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, everybody will hopefully benefit. More people backing, you know, it's better for St. Helena. And like I said, we, we need to make sure that the people in the private sector, are, our local people, um, are treated fairly and given the equal opportunities as an inward investor. We need to ensure that does happen. Okay, so both of you have um, both ran for council previously. So we have two sub-questions here. We're going to start with the first one. Uh, what can you share with other candidates? So you're talking about new... Uh, new ones. New, new um, yeah. candidates. Okay. Well, Maybe you could explain, Jeff, that when, oh, right, uh, when so you first came into council, yeah, what it felt like? Yeah, I, I came into council and, um, you know, it was very frustrating when I came in, it was very slow, and people weren't sharing, well, say sharing, you weren't getting the information that you required. I, I didn't feel there was cohesion, I, I, I didn't feel there was a, like a proper plan where we all sat down and said, this is the plan, this is where you need to fit in, and this is what we want to achieve by the end of the time. Yeah. You know, every... I found that people were in their own silos doing things. And then that's why you probably have heard me in formal LegCo raising questions, asking certain things and so forth. And it was like, what plans do that bloke on? Because I don't know. Because we're not working together. We need to be more joined up in the thinking. And there's one goal. We can't have the section deciding we want this and that, and this one over there want that, and it's only one part of money. We got to decide well, who's going to be doing what and so forth. And if that person doesn't have the money and so forth, they got to work with that. They got to work with what they got, as opposed to be fighting against the next section or committee or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So we need to work together. A couple of times, I did notice that um, we had cheers who were sitting with committees. Committee didn't agree on something and said, no, we, we're not happy for that to go forward, and then the chief would just jump out. It's their prerogative to do so, but that's not taking people with you, because you know your backbench is going to be opposing those sorts of things. So it's about basically having a better relationship, working with people. But for the new candidates, I would say this is it. it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be in there like, I've got a manifesto, this is what I want to do, and you get in there, because... Remember, now 12 people might have a manifesto. They might have all different things. It's about... Having getting in there, having an open mind, and looking for common goals, so that we can push in the forward. Like we said, we want to stand so that in four years' time, 
um, if we do get out in council, we deliver for the public. We deliver for St. Helena. And, and that's the main thing. Because if we're not, if we're not there to deliver for ourselves, or do our own little um, pet projects and so forth, we got to do the hard stuff and deliver for St. Helena. So St. Helena will, should be in a better economic place by four years' time. Because the way the island's gone at the moment, we cannot continue like this for the next four years because it's going to be worse, especially with an aging demographic. And if we don't have people coming in, we're going to have problems. We're going to have serious problems, much bigger problems than what we've got now. So we need to be a lot smarter in going in. So from me, um, for the new candidates, um, um, Cal, I think um, Jeff has touched slightly on it, is that... When you were outside, so that's, that's for me, I go, I'm trying to remember back to 2012. When you look from the outside looking in, you, you think that at that time I said, yeah, I, I can make a difference, I, I can make a change, I can do this and I can do that. So that's from the outside. But when you go in, it's not as easy as it is from looking from, look, peeping through the window. And the reason why it says not easy is because... Um, we we heavily rely on, on British government uh, for grant and aid, and when we get that grant and aid, it always comes with conditions, so and, and criteria. So, I might say I want to go and build a big shopping mall, but it may not fit in with what are the people who own the purse uh, may not fit in with them. So. I c we can't just go off on our own and do, do things for personal gain. It has to have a, a vision, and it's going to be challenging. It's not going to be an easy ride, and the reason why I say it's not going to be an easy ride is because we've got a new form of government as well. So the new council and administration will be learning together um, about how you take this new government the new government system forward. Mm -hmm. So don't think it's an easy ride. Don't think it is, oh, yes, um, I will go to a meeting once a week. It, it's, it's not like that. But I must say it depends on the individual, how much, how many hours uh, you will want to put in it and what you want to achieve. If you want to work hard for the people of St. Helena, you will work hard. If you want to sit down outside the clock every day, that's entirely up to you. But I hope with our new government, that will not happen. Yeah. Yeah. There are parameters that you need to work within. So you know you've only got a certain budget. And within that budget, there are certain parts of the budget that are ring-fenced. So you can't use it for other things and so forth. So, you know, there's a small amount of money to work with. But you've got to make best use of that money, yes. what you've got. Yeah? And I think people probably need to be more innovative you know, um, it's pr pretty much like if, if you've got a private sector background, that's a good thing because in the private sector, you've got to make do and you got to make things happen. Yeah. So, so that's quite important from, from my perspective. And I thought that helped me out quite a lot um, by being on council, was having a private sector background, also have a um, government background as well. But the most important thing is for the new council to have a vision yeah. that you work to, and this is what you will want to achieve within the four four years that you're you're on council. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? 
Okay, so uh, one one final question now. Uh, uh, it's the sub-question, the second one. A variety of candidates who have a wish list of wanting to achieve certain things, but understanding the UK aid budget and pressures on that budget. And uh, how would you explain that? So I, I think we, we just explained at the time. We, we understand that these parameters you know, around your budget, so certain parts of the budget is going to be ring fence. You only can do certain things with it. So you got to work with what you've got, yeah, and, and make best use. Of but you, you must make sure that, like, like what the feedback I have from the people is that um, although you've got a very small budget, I say small budget, 30, 40, 34 million, um, it's a small budget because you've got lots of services that you need to provide, but don't waste the money. Make sure you get value mm -hmm. for money. Okay, thank you both very much for uh, coming in. And uh, Jeffrey, I think you have uh, something else to say? Yeah, um, I think um, there's also other issues that we do have, and I, I did listen to some of the interviews, and I know that the question was asked about um, the ministerial code. From our perspective, um, yeah, the, we, we have seen the ministerial code. Uh, it was only given to us for information, but we are not very impressed with that code. But it will be for the new government to make decisions on it, and I would rather expect that most people who have read it would want to basically say we need to make some alterations to this code, yeah, um, because it pretty much guides the councillors, in my view. The ministers, yes. Ministers, so yeah. how 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 can the the ministers be accountable and, and transparent when there are um, clauses in there that prevent you from being um, transparent and, and accountable. And I think we said earlier in our, in, in, in our interview was that it's not only the ministers that need to be held accountable, it's also the public servants yeah. that need to be accountable as well. So um, I, I just wonder if I could also mention um, about um, people have mentioned to the both of us about voting. Um, so I'm not sure if um, there seems to be, there appears to be some confusion out there because people think that they must use their 12 votes, but it's between one and 12. Yeah. So if you only want to, if you only want one person out of the 29 who you feel confidently will represent you, who will stand up, who will fight for you, then just give that person the axe. You don't have to use all 12. You can use mm -hmm. one, you could use five, or you could use all 12. Mm -hmm. Also, um, people were, were mentioning about uh, both um, Jeff and I went on the elections um, observation training, and we, we did learn quite a lot um, from that, and we made some recommendation to um, to administration about the outcome of our our training course. I mean, all um, elected members had the opportunity to go on this virtual conference training course, and only Jeff and I up to do that. And um, you talk about monitoring and having security at these places to make sure that bribery isn't happening, because I know some people have approached me and asked. Can they? Is it can? Is it um, ethical for people to put on transport 
to take um, the voters to the polling station. And when we went on that um, training, on, on that observation course, we were told, no, that you must not be providing transport to the polling station. You must not be transporting, like, for instance, the candidates, or um, if the candidate go and say to you, um, uh, I, I will, I will uh, fix you road if you transport A, B, these people to the polling stations. And, and we were told, no, that um, that should not be happening. And as, as the uh, public has already made, been made aware that there is an election expert mission, I think that's uh, mm -hmm. virtual, that has been carried out by CPA, BIIMR at the moment. So they are watching about what is happening at the polling stations. So I, I would say to the people out there, be careful. If you've been asked to transport people to the polling station, just, just really be careful um, about that because we are being watched. Yeah. Um, and the, the only other thing I, th I think I have to say is to people out there um, when voting, I would say vote for people who you believe are going to be strong yeah. and who are actually going to stand up for St. Helena and his people and deliver for St. Helena. Yeah. And also, um, just to add to that, um, some advice I, I had from, from, from an individual is that um, if you do not want a particular person to represent you, the only way that you could prevent that person in um, being elected is go and vote. Mm -hmm. You must go and vote. So um, this is a reach out to everybody who is listening. Do take this opportunity and go and vote. Um, do show some interest in, in going forward for in the best interest of yourself, basically. And we hope that the, the people who do get in are very like-minded people who would take, um, who would take responsibility and won't be doing things for personal gain uh, to take the um, island forward and who will be willing to work with the, the private sector to try to um, gain the trust in the public again. Yeah. Um, so, so the big um, thing is go out there and vote, yeah. you know? And vote for who you believe will represent St. Helena and represent you. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you both uh, very much for uh, for coming in. And uh, all I can say is good luck. And we've also asked for the, the song um, <laughs> yeah. and Cal to turn the page because yeah. I think it's, it's time now to turn that page. It's a new chapter. Yeah.